Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the latest episode in my weekly Keep Canada Weird series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Aaron and I seek out and explore some of the more interesting Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, we got a jam-packed agenda. You're going to hear Aaron's beef with a listener named Ellen take a very disturbing turn. We're going to stop by British Columbia and discuss an even bigger pokey thief than the one we had last week. Lauren Grabber is going to be one-upped by the ass man, and a chocolate bunny will find itself being used for evil. So let's get to it. Aaron Airport, great to be back with you, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. The pandemic is different now. I've been going places without masks, uh, which is oh, you've cool. been unmasking, have you? Interesting. A couple places. Well, I always forget. So it used to be like this awkward thing where I would go to a store and then I'd have to dig through like under my seats in the dash. Eventually, find like this dirty mask that my kid got chocolate on, and I would wear that and go into the store. But now, oh, if yeah. I don't have a mask, I just can go in i just keep my distance you just but, go for it oh good for you but uh people very close to me uh, particularly mrs nighttime has criticized me as um getting through two years of the pandemic without owning a single mask and it's true i don't i've really? never owned one the whole time i just wow. use you borrow use, people's masks you? no like they <laughs> you like see my, them coming out of the store can i can i borrow can I your borrow mask for, so, yeah <laughs> they no, won't just, let me in without one so we have this thing where in my closet where I th- it's designed i think more for hanging like uh gloves and mittens and stuff off of for the winter but yeah a lot like, of people hang their masks off of that yeah ours is like squid shaped and all, each of its tentacles uh, or it's octopus shaped each tentacle has all these little hooks and we have it covered in masks but none of them are mine but we wash them regularly, and as I need one, I just grab one mm-hmm. of uh, Mrs. Nighttime or my children's, uh, which are a little tight. But anyway, that's uh, we're not here to talk masks. That's, uh, I guess, history now, and we're here to talk about current affairs. Um, right. Well, be- it is current that the mask mandates are being lifted in a lot of places, so or have already been lifted. Yeah, good But point. I think I heard in Quebec today they're talking about... Uh, extending their mask mandate Uh, well i know pei did extend it and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if something happens because right now literally my entire neighborhood has covid no every second person i talk to has it so yeah feel like last year again a little bit yep it is um but anyway aside from that you got anything going on here i know you haven't been out of the house in a while Um, i'm not going to (laughs) put you on the spot and ask what you've been doing but inside like your fortress of solitude there has anything happened Oh, I just started uh, season five of Better Call Saul. Okay. That has happened. It was just added to Netflix. So I've been only watching Better Call Saul as it's released on Netflix. I'm not totally up to date yet. So you'll get there. um, Yeah, I will. I'll watch season five and then season six is starting soon. So it's a great show. Loving it. Looking forward to season six. I started to tell you before we we went live, or I told you a bit before we went live, I'm watching a documentary on Crave. I think it's called I Love You, Now Die. And it's the story of Michelle Carter, who is an American woman who um, encouraged her boyfriend via uh, a series of text messages to end his own life. When he did, she was um, charged with manslaughter, I believe, or some kind of charges, but... I don't know what the end result of the charges are because I'm only halfway through it, but it's a fascinating story. Uh, if anyone does mm-hmm. it, if anyone's followed that story and want to learn more, that documentary is great. Um, but if we're here to talk about dark stories, uh, I think I have something a little dark for you to get into before we get into our, our main course. Um, we have to revisit a past topic that has uh, dragged on for weeks, which is. I guess we can call it the Battle of Reese, Reese's, um, I, I suppose, is the catchiest yeah. name I can come up with on the spot. But mm. just to give a timeline for new listeners is it started with a listener from the United States named Ellen 
who did not like the way you use the word Reese to describe what she's known as Reesus. Uh, mm -hmm. There's been a bit of a back and forth between you and her. Threats were made. You stood up for yourself. Other listeners came forward to stand up for you as well. Uh, eventually, we got the um, smoking gun evidence where a listener had sent us photos of Reese next door to Reese's products on a shelf, mm -hmm. which right. muddied the waters. Uh, you demanded an apology from Ellen, and I think the way you described it is you envisioned something like Will Smith's apology to um, Chris Rock yes, for, that's the, right. for mm -hmm. the slap. Uh, Ellen did send something in. <laughs> I don't know if it is the is what you're looking for. Well, I haven't heard this yet. This is my first time hearing this, so why don't you just let me have it? Buckle yeah, up. Here we go. Here we go. Aaron. You will get no apology from me if you go on YouTube and look how to pronounce Reese's. You'll get a woman who will tell you exactly how to pronounce it. Also, you hate vanity plates? Well, I have one. It says K O L A J. And it's a French word. Can you figure that out? Have a good night, Aaron. <laughs> oh wow! I, I... <laughs> um... have a good night, Aaron. <laughs> and and she, I think that is a threat. It is, yeah. <laughs> Legally, that's another threat. Um, we're just, you know, making the case longer here that you know um, of the of the threats, but. You know, uh, the, yeah, she has a vanity place. Uh, what it spelled you know, is, she said it was K-O-L-A-J. That spells collage. Ellen is an artist who does, and I think I may have told you this uh, in some of the past messages, is um, mm -hmm. she's she's an artist who does collage as, as her medium. So a lot of like clippings yeah. and stuff glued together that to make these kind of uh, otherworldly creations. But mm -hmm. Yeah, so what do you got to say about this? I think it's... Um, well, maybe Ellen could make a collage of the word, I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> um, you know, kind of cut out in different pieces of paper and different fonts and make a collage of a Reese peanut butter cup. Mm. Uh, I don't know. If, if, if a package arrives to your doorstep from Ellen, I would be careful opening that because I think there's some serious beef here. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I just just want to say to Alan that like this isn't personal. Although you've you've threatened my life, and um, you know you've you've insulted my intelligence uh, of of whether I know the word collage or not, <laughs> and uh, you know I'm not going to take it personally. I understand some people are passionate about certain things, and and it comes out in certain ways, and. I'm not going to hold that against her and hers is and violent. I'd like to I'd like to be the bigger man here and and basically apologize to Ellen for upsetting her by winning the argument hmm. about how to pronounce Reese. Okay. Um let's move on cuz I don't I don't want to live in this dark space any longer. Um It is a dark space. And I'm kind of torn be between haunting. and I'm yeah. torn between two people. You're one of my best friends. Ellen's one of my longtime listeners who've uh, we've yeah. formed a personal relationship. So I'm kind of torn between mm -hmm. Well, you can I'm not asking you to choose. Maybe Ellen is. I don't know if Ellen's <laughs> asking you to choose. Maybe that's the road she's taking here. Um, but I'm not. I think you can have your Alan and your Aaron, and you can live happily in the middle. Uh, Kyle McDonald in the chat says, You're owed an apology collage for sure. <laughs> uh, we, I agree. We got another, uh, another voice memo here. This one is, um, in reference to last week's episode, we listened to the recording of the young boy in Newfoundland and his grandmother who uh, were quite hilariously upset about the very cheap snow globe they got at the dollar store that broke. Mm -hmm. um, we got a, a voice memo from a listener named Ross who wanted to share his thoughts on dollar stores in general. Hi, Jordan. Uh, this is Ross from Australia. I've always loved your show. Um, really liked the last episode of it. The kid is snow globe exploded in his hands 
uh, what a character. Um, but that brings me on to Dollar Stores, which I hate with a vengeance. I just think of all those products and think of them as being in a state of uh, landfill purgatory. Just, it's only time before it ends up in the tip. Anyway, keep up the good work. Ciao. He referred to the dollar store as a landfill purgatory, and that yeah. is so appropriate. I often say, like, there's there's products that are made to be sold, and there are products that are made to be bought and used. Mm-hmm. And, like, although it sounds similar, there's a big difference. A product that's made to be sold, it, the, all of the design considerations are simply in, like, how it will look in a package, will the package hang on the shelf, will people grab it and buy it, but there's no consideration to what happens after it's purchased. And then you would get a high quality product, which is manufactured so that someone would, you know, buy it and use it for a lifetime and get their money's worth or whatever. Dollar, the dollar stores are very much like stuff simply made to last long enough that you can get through the checkout and out the door. Um, and by then it's it's already like, you know, useless. It's bro- if it's a toy, it's broke, or a little piece fell off, or the stickers are peeling off, so it looks nonsensey. Uh, or it has like a thin layer of paint that once you use it once, you know, as a utensil, the paint's going to start peeling off. Um, mm. And and it it gives me such guilt shopping at dollar stores a lot because, especially when it's a plastic product, because I know that it's going to last me a minute and then end up in my garbage because it's probably not recyclable and end up in a mm-hmm. landfill. Uh, do you do a lot of like dollar store digging? I go there sometimes. Um, I don't go there a lot, but I don't know. I, I know what I'm getting there. It's not a surprise that something I buy at the dollar store maybe falls apart mm-hmm. really quickly or doesn't necessarily work. I feel like you're rolling the dice when you buy something from a dollar store. And I think the dollar store knows that and the customer should know that too i guess it's kind of an agreement you get you it's got kind of an in. agreement we're going to sell you stuff that's really cheap and hopefully it, it gets you by you know the one time you plan to use this thing or um but there's been stuff that i bought there that has lasted me a long time like i bought you know glasses there and um like drinking glasses and mm-hmm. cups and stuff like that and it's all lasted a, a decent amount of time um but i have no kind of uh expectation of quality that that I, when i'm buying something there mm-hmm. um one thing that's been interesting is in canada we have one of the major dollar store chains that we have out of montreal is dollarama initially when it opened everything in the store was one dollar Mm-hmm. And then over time with inflation, it was like everything was a dollar unless it has a price on it. So some things would be like $2 or $1.50. If it didn't have a price, it was a dollar. Mm-hmm. Now when you go into Dollarama, everything is, you know, a couple bucks, you know, $2 yes. $4. I just saw in the news, um, uh, I think it was in CBC or something like last week, that they had announced at like an annual meeting for their shareholders or whatever of Dollarama that they're going to start uh, raising prices further with, I think, Five, the, right now, the most expensive stuff, I think, is $4, but it's about to be raised to $5. Uh, and I just mm. wonder, like, at, the longer that chain lasts, the the more out of time the name is going to be. Like, because it's kind of, they made a statement by being like Dollarama and being a dollar store. But if everything's like 4 and $5, it's kind of silly. Well, they're starting to creep into Walmart's territory. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if he did, this is semi off topic, but it's it's about kind of a business changing is um, we've talked a lot about Tim Hortons and their packaging and we've complained about their cups. I, th- I don't know if I told you on or off air, but I read that A&W is going to start using this kind of revolutionary new coffee cup, which is an all paper cup. It almost looks like a paper box that you can put the coffee in and it even has like a little spout and stuff you can drink from. Uh, and I, I read that A&W in Canada is going to start using them. And then I don't know when, but I think in the not too distant future, I was going through the A&W drive through the other day and I asked the person at the window. I don't know what I was thinking. I asked, I was like, are you guys selling the coffee in the boxes yet? Like the little boxes. And this person looked at me like I was nuts and turned. And then she like, like turned over and I guess like the manager was there. She's like, Dave, Dave. And, he, and uh, I, she brought him to the window and so I'm like, Oh, it's not that big deal. But I asked him, like, I heard mm-hmm. you're getting, I read on the news, there's going to be this new box. And the guy's like, bud, whatever you read, 
didn't make it to me. <laughs> so, anyway, that'll be a, a story for yeah. another day. But A and W yeah, is uh, yeah. they're they're stepping talking about companies kind of pivoting to yeah. something else. They're A and W is trying to get into the coffee business big time. Yeah, but. that's a natural because you know you saw the success of McDonald's. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of really taking it to the to the coffee chains and you know with McCafe and 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 everything they've done there you know you you can see that a and w has their is is you know licking their lips on that kind of uh market and they really want to up their coffee game because they see that the success that that you know and, and the additional business that it can bring in well let's get into the to the main course here so i have a i've hand selected a couple stories that uh took place the majority of them are recent but both of them are, or, but two of them are a little older, but tie into things we covered that were recently in the news. Uh, when I, when I put together the collection of stories, I uh, I titled it as far as the episode header as another pokey thief, a bad bunny, and yet another license plate dust up. So those are kind of the th- the three main topics I guess we have going in here. Do you want to um, when we start this? Do you want to get in with the the pokey thief? The bunny, the license plate, where do you think would be a good spot to start this? Yeah, let's start with the pokey thief. All right. Uh, when we did the original pokey thief story, that was last week. It was the guy who was selling, Oat West, who was selling Pokemon cards for a good amount of money online and sell, sending them either worthless cards or altogether different like hockey cards and such. Um, when we did that story, I don't know if it was because I had been Googling like Pokemon cards but my um, Google and all my social media stuff, for whatever reason, all of a sudden thinks I'm a huge fan of Pokemon cards. So well, I've been getting it goes back to the listening, the devices, yes, just like we talked thing, about, right? That we talked about last week. Was but it, it last week, that yeah, we talked I think about it that? was. Yeah. yeah, it's happened to me because I, I was when I was re- researching that story, I was research looking for different articles covering it. So I'd be googling like Pokemon card thief scam, you know, that sort of thing. But anyway, mm. um, it kind of worked out positively uh, although there's been annoying moments where i'm getting ads for pokemon cards and if i open facebook marketplace it's all people selling pokemon cards but what did pop up is a uh, a news story out of um i think this is out of prince george that's alberta right uh, i think it's in alberta but anyway it's um the the headline of the article i'll read to you but this involves a pokey thief who is altogether more intense than the online bait and switch scammer type. The headline in the story is RCMP seek suspect in toy store theft. I'll read it to you. Local Mounties are seeking your help in identifying a suspect in a break and enter of a local toy store. RCMP said great white toys of the 700 block of central street west has been broken into shortly after 8 a.m sunday morning and sunday was february 27th this is an article from march 1st it goes on to say police arrived within minutes of the call to find a smashed window and the theft of numerous high value items such as pokemon and magic the gathering cards a police service dog was deployed but was unable to locate the suspect now they're quoting the the store owner cameron stoles when I arrived, I thought to myself, what's going on? Security footage shows, that's the whole quote that they included of him. <laughs> uh, security footage shows the suspect hopping through the win- window. He then heads to the counter and starts putting items in a red plastic bag. He then heads to the glass case with hundreds of dollars of Pokemon cards and starts ripping the door off. Once open, the suspect grabs the cards and puts them in a black backpack. He gathers all his bags with the stolen items and he leaves to the front door. RCMP are looking for a male suspect, probably in his early to mid-30s. RCMP says he was wearing a gray hoodie, gloves, and carrying a red backpack at the time of the break-in. And if you look at the articles uh, about this story, the security camera was like directly in front of him as he was doing the crime. So they have like just these close-up shots of his face looking really confused. I don't know how they don't get this guy, but what this article didn't get across uh, and didn't mention is if, if you look at some of the photos of this business, it shares a strip mall with, with a large bank in the 
comic book shop is right next door to the bank. So when you look at the photos of it, especially as, as the police respond, you see a bank with a whole bunch of cop cars outside. You would never think that it was the comic book shop that they're responding to. And even the the owner of this comic book shop, Cameron, who was quoted in that uh, that article, he made a, a video on YouTube where he's standing outside the smashed up window of his store saying like apparently my pokemon cards are worth more than the money in this bank because you know someone just broke in here <laughs> hello i'm cameron Soltz, the owner of great white toys comics and games uh, up here in spruce line mall uh this morning unfortunately at about eight o'clock three hours ago we were broken into um it's interesting you note know, the, the the perpetrator decided not to break into the bank for the money they had there but instead broke into great white through our plate glass window crawled through this hole through the security film on the back of the glass and then proceeded to steal Pokemon because Pokemon's way more valuable than cash. Um, it's, it's not a good situation right now for us. We're, we're a little upset about it. Okay, okay, I'm really upset about this. Uh, we're talking thousands of dollars of damage for the broken glass, uh, broken showcase, uh, the product that's been stolen is just really unfortunate. Uh, I have to do though, say a, a huge uh, tip of the cap, uh, shout out to the RCMP. Uh, the, R the RCMP responded to our window break alarm instantly. If the perpetrator had been two minutes slower, they would have had him. Uh, they ended up bringing in a full SWAT team. We had like six uh, SWAT cars here, or RCMP cars here, plus a K-9 unit. Um, really appreciate the due diligence on that part. Uh, we're going to show you the video of it happening, just because I'm really outraged right now. I'm really upset about this. And you should see who this person is who broke into our store and sold from us. Um, great shot at the end of him. Get a nice big close-up. Got a little of our 8 megapixel camera there at the end. Um, anyway, just sharing my frustration today for you, with you. Um, thanks for listening. What confuses me is, and this isn't completely specific to this story, but... The individual, you can see his face, you know, mm -hmm. very clearly in the security footage. In after two years of a pandemic where mask mandates have been all over the country, how do you not at least have a, you know, surgical mask that you can throw on before you go into a rob store? Good point. This guy doesn't have a mask on. You get a perfect shot of his face. Mm -hmm. He never thought to just put even a surgical mask. Um, yeah, like everybody's got masks, you know, dirty masks lying on the floor of their car. You know, there's probably a couple of dirty masks lying in front of the the the, the business that he broke into. Seriously. Like this is, how do you not just throw on a mask or lift your t-shirt up to your nose or something like um yeah and of course they have cameras in fact some one of the photos he's looking directly into the camera it's like a portrait uh, i just want to correct something i said prince george is is that in alberta it's in bc bc yeah yeah um but w this also harkens back to something we talked about long ago. Do you remember we talked about the story of uh, the guy who wore like the garbage bag or the recycling bag to rob the convenience yeah, store? In yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and I said like uh, one of the reasons they're going to catch that guy is that photo of him in the bag is so hilarious that it spreads around. In this case, I I'm going to try to help solve this. What I did was I took a photo of the perpetrator and I edited it to put pikachu ears on him and i'm gonna put that photo up online and i wonder if the story of like the guy breaking into a store stealing pokemon cards uh and having like the photo associated with that just be this guy with like pikachu ears uh photoshopped onto his head i wonder if that's enough to get more people's attention yeah it could work you know you might be on to something there i wrote um, to the i wrote to the facebook page of the comic book store offering my a uh, unique take on an investigation or a, I guess a, a public awareness campaign. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard back yet, but we'll see if they take me up on it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they catch the, you know, the, 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 the uh, thief and the, you know, the Pikachu perk or whatever. Perp. Yeah, the Pika the perp. Pika perp. Yeah. That's what we'll call him. Uh, Perpetrue. Uh, I should get my son. He would be able to come up with like a really great. Pokemon I'm sure he could come up with dozens and dozens of Pokemon themed names for this thief. I think what we should do, since we're kind of this, since this story of the Poke Thief is sort of updating something we talked about last week, let's do a double header and let's get into the license plate update. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, so. 
in our last episode, we talked, we're both based in Nova Scotia. So we both knew and are familiar with the story of Lorne Grabber, spelled grab her, wanted a license plate. <laughs> it was deemed to be offensive or t- possibly taken as f- offensive to women because his last name could be seen as grab her. Again, now all that came out in, at the time when Donald Trump was quoted as talking about how he's able to grab women thanks to his um, fame. Mm. So it was a, a complicated thing. Anyways, uh, we know the Lauren Grabber story, but when we, when I released that episode, uh, several listeners contacted me saying like, wow, something very similar happened uh, in Saskatchewan just a couple years back with another man with an offensive last name. Uh, I didn't know this story, but it's amazing. This is and, and it's it's like the same story, but this guy's last name is Osman, but it's spelled A-S-S-M-A-N, <laughs> which is clearly ass man. Uh, mm-hmm. But he wanted to have his last name, Osman, spelled ass man on a license plate. Um, Saskatchewan's, you know, DMV or whatever regulators uh, weren't cool with it. I'm going to read you an article. And he, much like Lauren Grabber, he tried to fight it uh, unsuccessfully, but uh, he kind of found a creative way to get it, to get past some of his legal missteps. So let me let me read this article. The headline is Asman or Osman denied license plate, but displays name across his trunk's tailgate. So here's we go. Here we go. Dave Asman. I'm going to call him Asman. Uh, yeah, you da- might as well. Dave Assman is sticking it to the man by sticking it to the back of his truck. When Assman, pronounced Osman, applied for a personalized license plate, his request was denied. Saskatchewan Government Insurance, which manages vehicle registration, called the name an unacceptable slogan. The Melville Saskatchewan man has since immortalized his last name on the back of his truck with a large decal that looks just like a giant Saskatchewan license plate. Now they're quoting him. It's just a name and censorship should be out the window, Assman says. He would he would still like the license plate, but he's happy enough with the de- with the decal or decal, however you want to pronounce that. Assman said that the government seems to want to cater to those who may be offended by the name rather than give him the freedom to display his name. It upsets me, but I'm, but I'm not one of those guys that's going to take big offense to it, he says. Asman said that he filed an appeal Tuesday of SGI's decision to not give him the license plate and that SGI denied the appeal that same day. SGI responded to the whole situation on Twitter and they kept it really short and sweet. So now there's a post, uh, a screenshot of a Twitter post. Uh, someone named Taylor McPherson makes a tweet and he says, looks like Mr. Assman gets the last laugh <laughs> as after SGI denies his request for a vanity plate with his name. And there's a photo of Assman's truck. And again, on the back of his truck, above his license plate is painted a massive, what looks like a Saskatchewan license plate. And it says, you know, with his name Assman on mm-hmm. there. So Taylor McPherson tweets that and the SGI, the official Twitter account for the Saskatchewan government insurance uh, responds to the tweet with all's, all's well that ends well, smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Facebook post has been with that photo has been shared over 3000 times. So uh, yeah, so this guy couldn't get his plate. He appeals it. They deny it the same day and he just paints it on the back of his truck and moves on with his life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a better way to handle the situation than the grabber guy did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's certainly uh, a better way to do it. Um, Yeah. Like not, you know, battling it out in court for years and years and years trying to get your last name on your license plate yeah because like, like, okay i appealed it they denied it and i put some decals on my back of my truck i'm satisfied yeah grabber tried to take it to the supreme court of canada this guy just painted it on the back of his truck and i have a feeling Asman has a way better sense of humor than lauren grabber i think yeah, Asman would be so. a, a cooler guy to have at your party and I'm sure there was a lot of people who wanted to get Ass Man as a personalized plate ever since the Seinfeld episode, you know, in the 90s. I don't know this episode. Oh, well, Kramer um, ends up, uh, he goes to get his license plate renewed, his new license plates at the DMV, and they give them to him, and they mixed up his 
plates with somebody who got a personalized plate that said ass man on it oh really okay yeah so then he puts the license plate on and he's driving around it turns out um that his plates were mixed up with a proctologist who <laughs> wanted to have personalized plates of the ass man <laughs> so you know it's a really popular episode of seinfeld so i'm sure years and years after that people have always wanted to get ass man license plates mm, and i'm sure it. you can probably get ass man front plates you know the ones that you can just kind of buy at any novelty place uh, i'm sure those probably exist but okay that are just you know novelty plates based on that seinfeld episode same way you would get like, like a montreal canadians plate to put on the front of your car or whatever yeah okay yeah th- no that makes sense um Mm-hmm. Inter- I wonder if that's what inspired this guy to get his name on a plate. Or I, I guess if your last name is Osman, but spelt Assman, it's probably like a running joke anyway, like since you were young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been like his thing. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, interesting story. But I, I don't know how I missed that one. Like, And I don't know why it hasn't come up in the whole Lauren Grabher saga. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's a, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, let's take a little sidestep here. I have um, so, listener response to a call out that you had made a couple weeks back. Uh, we'll, I'll read through this and then we'll get on to the next story. So yeah, we, yeah. We, we, of course, we have talked a lot about Tim Hortons. It comes up all the time. Uh, something you asked for were listeners to come forward with um, either gripes about Tim Hortons or their favorite food items or memories of Tim Hortons. I have um, Sue. Uh, I don't know if she gave she, They didn't give me permission to use their last name, so I'm just going to call them Sue. They gave us a, a rant here of something that drives them nuts about Tim Hortons. And I think this the, their rant will be one of the most um, relatable paragraphs I could read right now for mm-hmm. any Canadian listener. So here's what they say. Jordan and Aaron, I have a Tim Hortons rant. Far too often, I order something, drive away, and find out I got the wrong damn thing. And I live rurally. Am I going to go back? No. Am I going to get into one of those godforsaken lines that seem to always snake into a main thoroughfare? No. So I stick it out with a tea and a bu- with a bunch of sugar in it, or a cheese croissant replaced instead with gooey chocolate croissants, which I do not eat. What the hell? Tim Hortons owes me big time. Um, and that's it. But I think that is a, a very, uh, if you start asking people why they hate Tim Hortons, a lot of people will talk about, you know, I get my tea with cream in it, or they give me my coffee with, you know, 25 sugar instead of, you know, one sweetener or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, yeah. It happens a lot, but I mean, I always say to whenever people complain like, Oh, how can you get, you know, how hard is it to make a cup of coffee? You know, like I said, two cream, one sugar. How hard is it to do that? But it's like if you make thousands of cups of coffee in a day, in a shift, um, or hundreds or whatever it is, like odds are a few of them are going to be wrong, even if you're the most accurate employee there. But it so, does happen a lot. So, But the odds are yeah. like, yeah, you'll get a few wrong. But I do feel like... Well, I shouldn't say my coffee is wrong a lot, but I do find it inconsistent to the point where, I, where I'll take a sip of a Tim Hortons cup of coffee that I just bought. And I, sometimes I'll be like, ooh, this is a good one. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, it's just not right. Like it's mm-hmm. it's always I feel like it's always a little different, but sometimes I can tell they put way too much whatever in it and just screwed up my order. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really gripe on Tim Hortons too much for messing up orders. They got bigger problems. Um, they got a lot of orders, <laughs> you know, and you're only going to hear, you're never going to hear people go saying, oh, they got my order right. I'm going to tell the world, you know, you're going to hear about the people who didn't get their order right. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't I mean, happen to me a lot. Like, not that I go there ever, but, you know, when I have gone there, it's usually right. And, um, you know, other fast food places have gotten orders wrong. I don't think that's specific to Tim Hortons, but... I find there are repeat offenders, though. I'm on Sue's side. They, I find they get it an unreasonably, un, an, a sti- it's like a statistically um, unbalanced amount of errors. I find. I on think my it's orders. yeah. When when it's when there's so many like coffee and tea orders that are all so similar, and you know, there's a lot of them flying around. Like I can see mm-hmm. how 
frequent mistakes can be made. Well, but it should I, be up to Tim Hortons to figure out a more foolproof system, maybe. But well, I think the foolproof system eventually will be automation, where it won't be a person pouring your coffee. Someone will take your order, and you'll see it on a screen. Or, you, or there won't even be someone taking order. You just dump it in the little thing and the machine makes it. Um, I'm sure that's coming. You just got to look at like self-checkouts and all these other things. And it's that's the mm. way it's working. Uh, one thing about Tim Hortons, that, I, that this just popped into my head. Uh, of course, we're recording this days after April Fool's. We're recording this on April 5th. April Fool's Day was five days ago or whatever, April 1st. Uh, Tim Hortons, much like a lot of companies tried to do something funny on april fool's day what tim hortons did was they tweeted introducing tim's all new line of double double coffee scented dryer sheets throw one in a dryer on a 20 minute cycle and you'll be smelling so good people will do a double double take and they have like a photo of like uh again tim hortons branded dryer sheets i saw that and i had to just roll my eyes but i did respond to them because i i like to like fight with tim hortons on twitter and i wrote yeah, yeah. and i wrote sadly your april fool's joke is hardly satirical given the nonsensical menu items that have been baffling your customers <laughs> during your slow decline um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's true like it, it's it's satire is just such it's yeah it's not as obvious anymore yeah yeah when when tim hortons has gone as far as to to make some of the things that they're making now um yeah, you might as well do dryer sheets. Give it a shot. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you? Did you? With April Fools just passing, did you try to trick anyone? Um, no, I don't. I don't participate in April oh, Fools. I like nor April do Fools. I. Nor do I acknowledge it as a as a thing. As a holiday. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's uh, something about it just doesn't. It's certainly annoying. Uh, I didn't plan to talk about this, but. I actually made my son cry on April Fool's Day. Oh. <laughs> so my oldest son is um, obsessed with the video game Roblox. He plays it on his iPad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nonstop. And what I did while he was at school was I took, if anyone knows how an iPad works, I rearranged his desktop. So I took the Roblox icon and I put it in like a folder within a folder so it was hidden. Mm. And my oldest son is one of his like biggest concerns in the world is that his little brother touches his iPad because if his little brother goes on YouTube, it screws up his recommended videos or if his little <laughs> brother opens his game, you know, cause it, his yeah. little brother will like go on YouTube and all of a sudden there's like baby shows popping up instead of like what he wants to watch. But anyways, uh, the, this, the April fool's joke was when my oldest son got home from school and the Roblox app was in a folder within a folder, I said, like, buddy, I'm so sorry. I let your, my, your little brother's iPad had died and I wanted him to, you know, he, I just needed a break. So I was going to let him watch videos for a minute. And he uh, deleted Roblox and all your save game files. And I showed him and then he like opens his iPad and the app's not there. And he's oh, a nine-year-old. Immediately mm -hmm. starts crying and runs to his room. <laughs> and then I immediately realized like oh man like why did i do that and then i had to explain to him it was april fools he was so mad at me the whole day was ruined but he's mm. over it now um and even after wow. i showed him he's like that was not a good joke you know <laughs> you know i don't want him touching my ipad <laughs> you knew that you knew that i trusted you with that information yeah um i stabbed him in the back yeah um so let's get on to uh Let's do a Canadian crime that is topical for the season because we're just getting into Easter. And I don't know if there's a more Easter themed crime than what we have tonight for our Canadian crime yes, segment. Yeah. Let me roll the intro, then we'll get into it. This week in Crime in Canada. Aaron, do you like chocolate bunnies? You know, I, I do. Yeah, they're, so, some of them are very good and some of them are very terrible. So the, there's kind of a big, uh, uh, I don't know if this if it's this way around the world, but at least where I shop, there's kind of a few different, or, or like a series of popular Easter bunnies or chocolate bunnies that di they have different names differing on the composition of the chocolate. So there's like 
uh, I think it's called Mr. Munchie, which is chocolate mm-hmm. that has a bunch of... has the Rice Krispies in it. Yeah. Then there's one that's like the white chocolate, and that's like, I don't know, Mr. Something else. I don't know what it is. Uh, do you know Mr. Mis- white chocolate. Maybe that's what it is. Do you know um, Mr. Solid? Yes. Yeah, I know Mr. Solid. What is Mr. Solid then? He's solid. He's just solid chocolate all the way through. Yeah, he is just uh, a chunk of chocolate um i would say it's such so solid it could possibly be used and has been used as a weapon mm. and that's the story we're going to get into uh this which is crazy it's just, it's crazy i confirm this to be true this is an article that was published on april 1st and it actually stems from a press release issued by uh, police in Manitoba. The press release starts in all caps with stars on the side of it saying, this is not an April fool's joke, <laughs> which is a cool way <laughs> yeah. to start a press release. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to not read the press release. I'm going to read the CBC article based on the press release, which gives a bit more information. The headline is solid chocolate bunny used as a weapon in an assault on a Brandon store clerk. So let me get into it here. It may be April 1st, but police in Brandon say it's no joke that a 27-year-old man is accused of stealing from a business and assaulting an employee with a solid chocolate bunny. Officers were called Thursday afternoon after a man stole merchandise at a business on Victoria Avenue in the southwestern Manitoba city, a Friday news release from the Brandon Police Service say. An employee who confronted the shoplifter was hit with a Mr. Solid brand chocolate bunny. And the employee suffered minor injuries. The accused shoplifter ran away, ran away what was found and arrested nearby while still in possession of the stolen merchandise, including the chocolate bunny, according to police, all of which was returned to the store. The man was released from custody and will appear in court on charges of assault and theft under $5,000. This is not an April Fool's Day joke, police say in their news release. Sergeant Kirby Sararas a public information <laughs> officer. His last name is spelled S-A-R-A-R-A-S. I'm sure they would deny that on a license plate, too. Yeah. <laughs> a public information officer with the Brandon Police Service say he's never heard of a chocolate bunny being used as a weapon. The weapon that this 27-year-old male suspect used was less than typical from what employees would normally see or be assaulted with. But it doesn't change the fact that this employee was still injured as a result of just trying to do their job, she told CBC. I know oftentimes that people will use whatever is in their hand to commit assaults, but quite often it's something more typical than a piece of delicious food. She says retail theft is something that happens every day and employees are often met with violence. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely an unusual, it's, it's, it's a makes sense though. It's because again, Mr. Solid's like, they I'm sure solid. there's lots of stories of people when they were younger on Easter time where they're like their brother or their sister or something cracked them over their head with their <laughs> Mr. Salt. Yeah. But even the the other bars are the Mr. Munchie bars, the other bunnies are they're hard too, but just even yeah. had like the Mr. Solid and the shape of it, the way they're shaped now is um they're not kind of the typical bunny shape. It's a smaller bunny with big ears that you could really use as a handle. If you like mm-hmm. took it out of the box and whacked someone with it, you could drill them. You could knock someone out with one of these. I would say you could, yeah. I would say um, there's probably people who have been knocked out. Wow. Um, fighting over eggs on Easter and then finally boiling over to uh, somebody bludgeoning them with a Mr. Solid. I, I think like the article is funny, but no matter what, it's still like the idea that an employee confronted a shoplifter and was met with violence is uh that's awful um mm-hmm. but i think like if i if i was an employee and i saw someone shoplifting i don't know maybe you have to confront them i don't know what the rules are but i would yeah i, I would have to be in the situation to really know what i would truly do because they say you're um from what i understand they say you're just supposed to to do what the you know, the person says and hand over the money and be cooperative yeah. and, you know, try to alert the police. But that's in like a robbery. You can. What if you just see like someone stealing like some, uh, I don't know, um, deodorant, lipstick. And okay. A yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that, that's, I guess it would depend on what they look like, to be honest. <laughs> 
<laughs> this little kid. Like, was, if they looked, if it was some, like, yeah, 12 year old, I'd be like, hey, you, hey you get know, on the floor. <laughs> give me that Mr. Solid right now. That's not your solid bunny. But um, if they were a tough looking person, I'd probably turn turn the other way <laughs> yeah i didn't see anything boss I didn't see it. but i guess there's also people who are like you know i'm a loss prevention officer and i have to like you know chase these people out the store they should there needs to be some other way like what a you know um with like a bank they can have like those ink things where if you steal the money this ink thing like explodes yeah, it squirts them with the ink so that they yeah they should have like almost like a, a version of that for the store clerks like imagine if you had like a water gun with like a red kind of paint in it or something and if you see someone you don't have to approach them you can just be like 20 feet away and you could say like like down the hall like i down the aisle like i see that you're stealing you know put it down and leave or i'm going to spray you with the red ink and if they don't you just like start spraying them with the red ink stop or i'll spray with the red ink or whatever with the red ink yeah, yeah. and if the end like you have to scream while you spray it Stop or I'll spray. <laughs> ah! <laughs> but that that's, would be safer, right? Or have it, yeah. I, there's a lot of things you could do that don't involve getting smacked in the face of the bunny. Yeah, but I, I'm sure that stuff costs money too. Like, it, uh, it depend on the store and it depend on what kind of security features they could afford yeah. to institute. That's a good point. Um, either way, they got this person. Uh, they're going to sound ridiculous at trial when the judge uh, is, you know, sentencing them for the assault on the store employee. And with a straight face, they have to like, you know, uh, describe the, the offense of like using a chocolate bunny to mm-hmm. hit somebody. It's a, come on. They should um, just to be, clever they should try to like rush it into court and have them like tried right before or right after easter or something just to keep it all uh, all on theme um yeah that's that's the court's priority is to make sure that it's all kept on theme yeah um this is a bit of a side that was all a big sidebar i didn't plan to make this our easter themed episode uh so let's let's move on before we make people chocolate hungry yeah I got something else here. Now this, uh, I sent you a couple articles. This one was a side note because it wasn't really like a, sto- uh, it wasn't a story I picked out to do. I think this is more of a listener service that we should probably start offering. Let me read you an email I got. So uh, when you go to my website, nighttimepodcast.com, there's a section that says contact. And in the contact section, you can send a voice memo, which we, we've we heard. Uh, that's how Ellen has been sending her complaints and threats. And listeners are often sending voice memo. But you can also just recommend a topic. And it's, it's not recording your voice. You just fill in like a little form. And it sends mm-hmm. an email with like a topic people would like to hear on the show. So here's the, the suggestion I got. It's from a listener named Joe from Manitoba. So Joe says, uh, Jordan and Aaron, I remember a story from when I lived in Winnipeg back at the beginning of the 2000s. The details are foggy, but it had something to do with the Esplanade Real footbridge in the Forks. There was something about a million dollar toilet in the Bridges restaurant. I have, I've been able to find very little information about it, but this million dollar toilet is a great example of our weird but lovely Canada. So the details that they share were foggy. Basically, they remember hearing something about a one million dollar to- uh, toilet in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I thought that's kind of crazy. How could you make a million dollar toilet? Uh, but I did do a bit of Googling and yeah, it's it's true. Um, mm. But it's not really what you would think. Uh, I found, like like Joe says, I've only found a few articles referencing this. But um, what ended up happening is, you know, like a, at the end of, I guess probably at the end of the year or something, like a city's expenses are shared in like the taxpayers and media and all this stuff can look at it and criticize where the money's going. Uh, the mayor of Winnipeg w- found himself in hot water because $1 million was spent to put a toilet in a a restaurant that sits in the middle of a footbridge 
I haven't heard of, uh, I'll explain what a footbridge was. Cause when I first read the articles, I, I didn't know what that was, but I found a photo. So it's, it's a bridge, not for cars, but it's just to walk across, to walk across a body of water. So it's kind of like, it looks like they have like sort of a boardwalk type situation, but you can walk across this bridge over a large span of water in the middle of the footbridge. So when you're kind of like in the center of the water, you know, uh, furthest from land, in the bridge, there's a small little restaurant, which is probably busy in the summer because you would be sitting, you know, right above the water and there'd be people strolling by. Um, but what I've learned in these articles and reading the mayor's defense of the situation is that like bylaws and building codes sort of thing in Winnipeg required that restaurants of a certain size have like restrooms, of course. So in order to put the business where they wanted it, they needed to put a, a washroom there. Um, and the the cost to actually bring the plumbing to where the bathroom was is why this was so expensive. But at the end of the day, yes, it's a one million dollar toilet. I'm gonna I'll read you a uh, a short article that I found about it that kind of tells the story. Um, the headline of this article. This is a CBC article. The headline is toilet gets mayor in hot water with taxpayers. Let me just get this in front of me here. This is uh, an article from May of 2003. So this is, we're going way back. So I'm going I'm to read you a short article. So Winnipeg mayor Glenn Murray is an award winner along with some other big names in Canadian politics, but it's a dubious distinction at best. Murray, along with Prime Minister Jean Chrétien and the, uh, and the Federal Gun Registry, have been awarded the Golden Sow, or Teddy Award, by the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And this award is kind of like, a, maybe you heard of a Razzie, where they give the awards to like the mm, worst films and stuff. The worst of this or the worst of that. Yeah, yeah. this is like for the worst uh, offender of uh, spending the taxpayers' money. So I'm going to read you what happened. So Adrian Betra heads up the Manitoba chapter of the Taxpayers Federation. She says Murray won the award for a project involving the Proventure footbridge. We chose the million do- we chose the million dollar toilet as the biggest flush performed. Murray says he's proud of the award and Murray's the mayor. He says that some people just can't understand how he's moving towards building a more attractive city. The restaurant on the bridge will make it the only one of its kind in North America. He says the million dollars is what it costs to bring water, sewer, phone line, and other fiber optics onto the bridge for a restaurant that will sit halfway across the span, which links the forks with St. Boniface. Murray says if he didn't build a toilet to go with the restaurant, the public would be left with few options. And here's a quote from the mayor. Stick their bum over the edge of the railing? You think they'll do that? Then he goes on to say the health act actually requires that you have water and sewer and we actually do have water and we actually do have sewer on most bridges for drainage and things like that to protect the rivers from salt going directly into the rivers. This is hardly a great revelation. Murray says out of the $54 million bridge redevelopment project, 1 million to make the bridge a destination is a small price to pay. Murray says he may just keep that golden sore award in his bathroom yeah he's proud of it um yeah he's proud of it i don't i don't really see the big deal i you know i think it's just one of those things where it's um if you don't read too much into it it makes a great headline and makes the mayor look bad yeah, everybody yeah. likes that kind of story but yeah it's easy to say oh my god they spent a million dollars just to put a toilet up there you yeah know, but, but it, it's according not really to, the case yeah according to him it takes more it's it's more than just putting the toilet there it's also running like sewer and water lines which you would need for the toilet but if there's going to be a restaurant they need running water of course yeah absolutely the, the you know it's it sounds like a pretty cool you know bridge and then that's pretty neat that it has a restaurant on it and i think that's I think a um, million dollars, you know, and, and other parts of the country, the world have been spent much more frivolously than 
to oh, put plumbing yeah. up in that restaurant. Yeah, and this yeah, is also so. uh, this is 2003 though, and a million dollars was a lot more money in 03 than it was now. Like that's 20 years ago, but still, yeah, it does. And, and also, like anything a city does, it costs so much money. So like a million bucks. I don't know. It's a lot of money for, for a toilet. I get that. And there's probably better places that they could put it. But I'm sure someone would have done a calculation about, you know, how much money are we going to make off of, you know, tourism and taxpayers and blah, blah. Yeah. Hopefully someone mm-hmm. intelligent did the math and it's paid for itself by now. Yeah, I'm sure it has. I mean, if it's if it's a cool thing that, and it's a cool attraction and, and people, you know. Like nobody's gonna travel there just for that, but if it's an added attraction that oh, there was this bridge and and you get to walk across it and there's a restaurant on it, and it was beautiful and yeah, and then how many you know like that that adds up over time. Yeah, I get that. Um, it's like when they were building the giant fiddle here in. Oh uh, God, I think it's ridiculous. Why don't for people? Yeah, like, I I think it's silly too, but I get it. Like, let, it's let's a, explain it's, what it is though for people who haven't visited our hometown of Sydney and Cape Breton Island. Uh, we're known lately by a lot of people as having a giant fiddle, which is like a violin. What is this thing? Tell me about it. The fiddle, the giant fiddle. Yeah, yeah like, it's it's right on the um, it's right on the water. You know, so. When the cruise ships pull up, it's it's the first thing they see as they're coming in to the harbor, and they see the giant fiddle. And how giant? Wanna... Well, it's the world's largest fiddle. It's I don't know how many feet tall it it's is. It's probably like forty feet, maybe thirty feet. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, it's it's got to be thirty feet, hmm. something like that. Just a big fiddle on the kind of the water. It's a massive fiddle. Yeah, on the waterfront, but it's you know it's. For people who aren't from here, it's interesting. Yeah, I get that. It, it, but I also notice people try to get a picture taken with it, but it's so big that you can't really get your picture taken with it because it's too big. So all the pictures are like you standing with the bottom of a fiddle. Some people are able to kind of do the upward shot um, to get a decent decent pick of it. But it's, it's just all about... Um, creating interest on the waterfront, especially when you want to convince... People who are passengers on it, we get a lot of cruise ships um, in the summer and the fall, you know, especially in the fall. And you want to encourage these passengers to on this stop to come off of that ship and go downtown and spend money. So if they see something that visually catches their eye and they're like, oh, let's go check that out then they'll they'll get off the, the ship and they'll go and wander around after they take mm. a picture and they'll go have a bite to eat and they'll go into some of the shops and they'll they'll explore the downtown a bit to us like a fiddle is a really cliche thing because it's like we live here and it's what we see all the time and it's some it's almost like makes us gag it's like yeah i get it you know um celtic music and fiddles and and all this stuff but for people who've never been here and, and maybe don't know a lot about the place, they're like, oh, that's interesting. You know, why is there a giant fiddle here? And, you know, they learn a little bit about the place. Yeah, I guess that it, maybe it's not that bad. I just I don't know. I, something about it rubs me the wrong way. But I get the idea of, of it being like a lure to get people off of the cruise ship to um buy things uh, stimulate the economy. Yeah, and taxes. lots of places around lots of lots of towns and cities and they do stuff like that, you know, yeah. because it's memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the place with the giant fiddle, right? Yeah, I remember that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, I think we got through all of our topics. Uh, I, th- I think this was a great show. We got a lot of cool listener-initiated uh, stories. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, covered some weird stuff that tie into both what makes Canada weird and great and tie into what makes the series great because it's tying into our prior episodes. But I think uh, Mm. I'm proud of this episode. I think we did it. Yeah. And, and I'm looking forward to Ellen's apology. I can't, her apology collage that she's going to make. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. And um, yeah, I'd like to see some pictures of it in progress, you know, as she's building it and creating it. And and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm sorry, Aaron. Apology collage of a peanut butter cup. (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Until next time, Aaron. Until next time, Jordan. Grab a Mr. Solid. Uh, Don't get hit by a Mr. Solid. (laughs) 
I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I in our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big thanks to Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode. And a thank you to the Internet's favorite cult leader, Unicol, for supplying the intro and outro narration. But the most important thanks goes to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed make the show possible, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, help keep the show alive and give yourself more of it at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers, Charles, Elizabeth, and Corey. Thank you all for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or contribute a voice memo, you can do that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. I hope to hear from you that way. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Beautiful, serene, majestic, the true north, strong and weird.